0: The following content is not suitable for children. Hello, Lori. Hello,
1: Today we've joins. got a
0: good one. Four sexy questions to ask your lover.
1: Ooh. Welcome to 4 Radio, couples and sex therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other.
0: Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the
1: body. Just as we begin, please remember to check out UberLube. UberLube.com is where you can get this great lubricant and help support 4 Radio.
0: How do we communicate and have conversations around sex? I mean, our field is saturated with messages of different ways of communicating to your partner, you would think we're all amazing at it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And yet so many people are not talking about it with their partner, right? They're doing it, but they don't talk about it.
0: And what's that about? Just not talking about sex.
1: I like this guy, Justin Lee Miller, and he's a researcher. He's done research actually on EFT and... Sex and he says, You know, you are so much more vulnerable talking about sex than doing it. What? Why? I that resonated with me, and I think that's true. I think it is so much harder to talk about it than just to do it. Why do you think that is, though?
0: Because we've separated the sex is so often the physical, Mm -hmm. and that's all we're paying attention to. And yet, Mm -hmm. to talk about sex, you're going to have to really bring in the emotional the spiritual, Mm -hmm. the mental, I mean, all those Mm -hmm. components that there's no way of separating that. Mm -hmm. And I think most of us want to protect ourselves and our partner from these difficult conversations. I don't want to criticize my partner. I don't want my partner to feel bad. I don't want to talk about my bad feelings. So it's that avoidance, That really becomes the root of the problem because in that moment we we might protect, which feels good, or avoid something hurtful, but we don't recognize the chronic costs of the avoidance of those conversations.
1: Yeah, the cost is that first sexually, maybe we we don't have as rich a life as we could have, and I think you know sex is also something that draws us closer. And so, if, if we don't discuss what that means and what we need, then we're losing out on the intimate part of what sex could do for us as a couple.
0: Exactly. And it's tragic mm-hmm. the epidemic of loneliness during sex. I agree. And can you imagine anything worse than just being lost in your own head with your own pressures, your own worries, while your partner? You're inside of each other, and, and yet you're, you're galaxies away emotionally.
1: That is pretty lonely, yeah. And so many people have sex like that, right? They don't communicate what it means. They they don't even, maybe they're, I mean, actually I'm a big fan of having sex sometimes when you need relief. But, but <laughs> by and large, right, what you just described, they're united, they're actually physically united, and yet they're not emotionally united spiritually united don't even know what the other one's thinking
0: and and usually in the beginning where it's excited, there you're okay exploring and not knowing and and mm-hmm. missing spots and readjusting and getting redirected and there's just that kind of dance that awkwardness but it's it's part of the magic of the process and mm-hmm. what's so sad is with success we start to get the this the surest ways that we know our partner likes. And before you know it, we repetitively are doing the same exact thing over and over again. Mm
1: -hmm. Right, we shortcut the process. We just do what works, what works mechanically.
0: I love Peggy Kleinplatz's line when she says the surest way to kill desire is to do what works relentlessly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She is good.
0: Yeah. So if you are doing what works... And now it's no longer working, but you can't communicate or get any feedback, you're in trouble.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that's so often what we're seeing with our couples, this, this failure to have conversations from these loving places. And yet what most people don't realize is the cost of that failure to communicate.
1: Mm-hmm. The loving place, you mean when we protect our partner because we don't want to hurt their feelings, we don't want to challenge them. We don't want to tell them what we're thinking and feeling that's not working, lest they be offended and crushed. Yeah.
0: And then we start to slip into this conversation around quantity, right, and different levels of desire and that discrepancy and how often we start to negotiate all around the act. We become focused on the outcome instead of the process itself, right, which is how do we look at the quality instead of that quantity?
1: Yeah. But, you know, without the quality, without it meeting deeper needs and needs both sexually and emotionally, then people stop wanting to do it as much. It isn't as exciting.
0: I, I think he's a sex therapist or as a couple therapists, we've kind of fed into this, this negative cycle, right? We become so practically focused. Let's bother, right? You want it every two weeks. Your partner wants it twice a week. Let's negotiate and get it down to once a week. How does that sound on both ends? <laughs> right? and, well, we're, Sounds we're like missing. I'm not
1: getting it enough and my partner is getting it too much.
0: That's right? right. Both are losing. Or you can see the process is trying to get you to have those hard conversations.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? It's, it's a way of getting to know each other a lot more deeply when you could communicate, why do you want it every two weeks, only once, and you want it twice a week? Like, What is that like when you're not getting what you need? What is it like when you actually do have sex with each other? I mean, there's so much good stuff to work with if we're just willing to face those, those hard conversations.
1: Yeah, I have a client that I've worked with for a while, and they've been hung up over what to do in sex one person wants to do something more experimental, more breadth of what they do do and the other person i think actually wants more depth, wants more soul connection. And they don't they're not a, they're so stuck, they're not able to talk about it. But I think the good news is is they both have erotic ideas and feelings and it keeps getting stopped in conversation, but they have it they have their answers right in front of them. They just need a pathway for it to be really safe to talk about it, to share what I say is the erotic mind with the other. And I I mean, I think that what stops that conversation so much, George, is this sense of, I don't want to know what you're thinking because then you're going to want me to do something that I'm uncomfortable with. But what our partner is thinking sometimes has meaning. And if you can't listen past what alarms go off inside your own body and hear your partner all the way through, you you never kind of get to what it means to them to have that. So,
0: Such a good, important comment. I want to highlight that. That fear of judgment from your partner keeps you hiding yourself. But in effect, what you're doing is you're judging yourself and your partner without even risking. Mm -hmm. Right? You're saying, I don't believe my partner will be able to understand this and... I, I don't think I'm I deserve being able to say that or to stand up for that right and then there's nothing we could do with those judgments that are never even expressed
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're never going to change.
1: We also have to manage not not just the fear of our partner's judgment but when our partner is speaking I guess the alarm that goes off inside us mm-hmm. you know that that piece like can you just tamp that down a little bit for a period of time. Like Think about it as a process of conversations. What's the meaning behind this thing that my partner wants to do that that I don't? And why am I so fearful? What is it in me that is causing this fear? It's that curiosity and kind of that mindfulness, like just observing, okay, I I feel really anxious about this right Mm -hmm. now. I'm going to see that I'm I'm feeling really anxious, but I'm not going to shut down. I'm going to stay open to process and to see what happens. It's a huge discipline to do that.
0: I like the word discipline. Great lovers are disciplined. They put in the work. They're very intentional. And that includes the importance of conversation. We need to really redefine the target. I, again, as a therapist, I see often how I feed this negative pattern. I can so focus on dysfunction and trying to get them towards something more functional. Mm-hmm. When, how do I put my, aim my target for something even better than functional? Like, what is great sex? People that are having great sex don't aren't interested in not having sex. They don't even think about it. People that are having great conversations around sex, this becomes natural. They can't imagine life without these conversations. If every time you have a conversation, it doesn't end well, no wonder why you dread these conversations. Mm -hmm. So I think that's our challenge. Like, How do we help people have success in their conversations? Both people need to be intentional in starting this off. Like We don't want this to end the way all these conversations end, which is both of us feeling worse. Can we both work on the goal of having success in this conversation? I think that intentionality on the front end makes it a lot more likely that you can hit that successful target.
1: Mm -hmm. And I know that I've got people listening who are sexual pursuers And they're like, absolutely, let's have these big conversations. That's what I want to do. I so want to do this. And if you know that asking your partner for a conversation about sex is is going to send them into a state of panic or into alarm, I mean, you're going to have to do this really sensitively or you're going to have to wait until there's more safety in the relationship to have this. I know this is really exciting to do this, but... But you also have to think about who your partner is and what's going on right now in your sex life. I mean, I'm thinking of a couple people, you know, and I'm like, I don't want them to open this conversation right now with their partner because it's, it's going to push them beyond where they're ready. So we have to, we have to think about the timing of this too.
0: Right, and uh, both people have to buy in. You can't just have one person buy into this one to have this conversation. Otherwise, it's not going to be successful. Right. So that is the really big question. How do you get the withdrawer, the avoider, who doesn't want to have the conversation to see the value in having the conversation for themselves and a betterment of the relationship, not just out of obligation to their partner?
1: Yeah, and we're going to come back and offer you four questions that we've thought of that are just open-ended and hopefully something with that will spur conversation that you can make safe and maybe even sexy.
0: I'm looking forward.
1: Okay. I'm doing a Patreon Live on July 10th, Friday night, and I'm pushing it back because I think a lot of people could not join our first one. This is going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For those who are our patrons, please come and join me. We really want you to check out uberloop.com with the coupon foreplay. It's a great lubricant. It's the one that I've been recommending for years. And I recommend it because it is a great glide. It has no taste. It has no smell. And so you can use it throughout your lovemaking experience. That would be an awesome feel for you to try this if you haven't already tried it. It's also made from... Basically, silicone. And what's good about silicone, I don't know if I've said this before, but it doesn't get easily absorbed into the body. So some lubricants get gummy and actually create a drag. And that is a not good feeling. But this one stays on the surface of the skin. It's not absorbed. So it's always gliding. And that is great for touching, great for sexual intercourse. Okay, so try uberlube.com with the coupon Foreplay. We appreciate our sponsors, and they are also sending out free packages to the first 20 patrons who come and sponsor us on 4Play Radio.
0: Boone, North Carolina, August 28th, 29th, and 30th. A weekend up in the mountains to talk about sex. Do we get any better than that, Laurie?
1: (laughs) This is for therapists. It's not for couples yet, although we are kind of in our mind's eye thinking about how we can help our couples who are listening in a more intense way with a retreat. But this is a class that we're doing for therapists. So if you would like to check out George or my site or 4Play Radio, we will direct you to that training in Boone, North Carolina in August.
0: Come join us.
1: George, successinvulnerability.com, your new training site. You have a new module.
0: Yes, so excited about this, Lori. Module two, working with secondary emotion, anger, withdrawal, protection, and blocks, the way people really, for good reasons put up these detours in session. And, and most of the time it throws therapists off and, and therapists start to feel like they're failing and get really frustrated, judgmental, problem solved. And they miss the beautiful opportunity these blocks to really pivot and become flexible. And really it's the process telling us where we need to go. We just need to learn how to embrace these blocks. So I'm so excited about this module. So please, therapists, listen, and you want to get better at your craft, sign up and join us.
1: George's new module in successandvulnerability.com. Check- Check it out, talking about secondary emotions and blocks.
0: Okay, Lori, all that talking about what's stopping these conversations get getting me a little depressed there. So <laughs> you got these four questions that are going to turn the mojo on.
1: Yeah. Let's see
0: how to ignite some of these conversations.
1: You know, I think that many of our conversations, like we said, titrate down to how much do you want to do it? What do you want to do? And it doesn't really reveal much about what we're feeling inside. So I I think the the best question, and certainly you can make up your own, but they're open-ended questions. So the first thing I thought about was question number one, what happens in bed that means the most to you and feels the best? Mm-hmm. So, so we're talking about two parts, the emotional aspect of sex, maybe the spiritual aspect of sex, and also the physical aspect of sex. And we're just asking our partner to think about both parts.
0: I love that question. It's really getting to the heart of the quality. Mm-hmm. Like what made this really work well for me? Mm-hmm. and my partner and their relationship where I'm becoming deeper in myself and yet simultaneously more connected in a deeper way with my partner.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And how many of us never answer that question? Right. We feel it, but we just kind of get on to the next thing. It's, and, this is making it more intentional.
1: And I think what you just said, you know, some of us don't answer it. I think this is a question not just for our partner. It's a question for ourselves. And almost one of the best ways to inspire vulnerability is to offer vulnerability first. So maybe that's how they begin this conversation to say, you know, I'd, I'd love to tell you and I'd love to ask you, you know, what happens in bed for me that means the most and feels the best and start there so that you are vulnerable first, especially if you're the one initiating this conversation and saying, and as I'm talking, you know, I'd love for you to think about it. You might even give these questions ahead of time to your partner, you know, if they're deer in the headlight when you bring up sex.
0: I want to just add to this first question. I don't want it to get too narrowly focused on just what's happening in that bedroom. Because so often what happens before the bedroom is so critically important to that, right? The non-genital kind of signals that you're sending to each other, the playfulness, the curiosity, the doing the dishes, whatever those things are. Like, how does that set the stage for what's actually going to work mm-hmm. now in this bedroom?
1: And what do you think those things mean? When those go well, what does it mean?
0: I think that it's high levels of interest. Yeah. I think there's... There's intentionality that's saying your state of mind or being is really important to me. And I want to make a difference with that.
1: Mm-hmm. You're
0: important. You're important. Yeah. I also think there's a lot of playfulness in that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And it's just this kind of anticipation that's so important to build in that that climatic scene. Mm hmm. Right, if you think about your first dates, not knowing when the kiss is happening, and like, how do we build that 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 anticipation into it? Like, if it's like, yeah, I know, eight o'clock, what's well, coming for me? And, you know, you're going to hand me the vibrator. I mean, that that's <laughs> not really going to kind of build up that that scene that we're looking for.
1: Right, I, I like that. Uh, and I thought, I, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, one of the things that means the most to me is our laughter. Between my husband and I, like there's, there's, it, it is always fun and always filled with laughter. Even when, we're, when the sex is not the best in the world, I mean, there's just this sense that we come together with joy, and, and that's what I was thinking
0: cool. as I
1: was developing these questions. Like, what means the most to me? Definitely that. Great. Okay, question number two. How much Can I, I, I yes, jump in one last yes. time? Because
0: I'm, I'm trying to just break this down in my head. I want our listeners thinking about pre-sex, the sex act itself, and post-sex. Like these are three different elements that are really important And if you could start identifying, like, where am I really strong? Which ones can I work on? I mean, the goal is to have strength in all three, right? If you're Mm -hmm. building up that anticipation in the pre-act, that's probably setting up the act itself to be more successful. Mm -hmm. And then how intentional you are afterwards, that afterglow, kind of staying in that, really installing that positive emotion that comes in these moments. I mean, I I, I think that intentionality I
1: find helpful. Mm -hmm. You're asking people to think about it on at different stages and different levels. The question, what feels the best? You know, that can be a hard one to answer, right? Because so many times that one is where people get snagged. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to actually say those words out loud. That feels so vulnerable to say that out loud. That can be tough.
0: Yeah, I'm just laughing at myself saying, I could see a be having a conversation with my wife. Well, what do you want to talk about? The pre, the during, the post, and give it scores. And like, just seeing her roll her eyes saying, oh, Mike, this about the last thing I'd want to do is to have that conversation.
1: (laughs) You're going to have to up your game here, boy. All right. Okay, question number two. How much of your erotic imagination do you feel like you've shared with me? And what encourages you and discourages you from sharing more? So th- this one I I will say you know that the sexual pursuer is always after the sexual withdrawer to tell them what they think about what turns them on what's sexy but one of the things I've noticed is that sexual pursuers often don't share their own mind mm-hmm. uh, as well not in a full way I mean maybe they share hey I want to do this tonight but that's different than sharing like I, I don't know just your fantasy, your imagination, the contents of what's inside.
0: Right. Hey, we got a lot of training to hide our imagination around sex. Mm-hmm. And we don't get a lot of training to know how to share it with other people. For the most part, we're hiding it our whole lives. So no wonder why we wind up doing the same thing in our relationships. So I, I couldn't agree more. It's such a rich area to to grow in. But you have to have the courage to see the, the benefit in doing that. Right? Just because you have a fantasy doesn't mean you're acting on it or anything else. But there's something about that energy and that curiosity and what it opens up and what it turns you on. And if you could have that non judgmental, kind of acceptant, playful place, it just opens up so much more energy in your relationship. And yet, most of us do not know how to do that. I mean, I think that's a great question because I, most of the couples I'm working with have very little sharing of fantasy with each other.
1: Oh, yeah. I was reading Alain Du Bouton, I don't know how you say his name very well. And he's he's a philosopher, I love him, you know, and he talks about how most of us have crazy thoughts about sex. And we judge ourselves. And you know, sex is just not something that can be easily bridled. Our sexual mind, some of the reasons we don't share it is we think our, our partner would be disgusted if they knew all the things I think about. So it's, it's really scary to, to bring it up. But the reality is, it turns out, most people have crazy thoughts. Ooh. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of human to have all kinds of things that turn us on and all kinds of situations and to feel different things about sex. I mean, it's it just...
0: <sighs> and to balance that message. Okay. If some of these fantasies you want to put restraints on, because they don't capture your values then that's you know that's your choice to make too what we're saying is maybe some of these fantasies that are appropriate that feel it's just i think so many of us are trained to restrain it all that there's no nothing we then can send over to our partner and it just becomes this huge divide wall Yeah. Right. So if your faith or your spirituality is hugely important and some things feel like you don't want to go down a certain road because that's a slippery slope. I mean, that's your call to make. But what are some of these other types of fantasies? And maybe the fantasy is going to be about your partner or maybe it's going to be about a time early in your life with your partner, whatever it is, like, how do you kind of just share these parts of you that you are in your own head with, but often not communicating?
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm certainly not advocating for a carte blanche, tell your partner everything, and that's mm-hmm. good. But I think, I think that's one of the things that discourages us sometimes from sharing is our own judgment about ourselves. It's not even exactly. our partner's resistance to it, but we look at it and we go, you know, I, I never could say that. And certainly we don't want to say things that are hurtful or threaten our partner. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just dumb. Right to open up and say, yeah, you know, thinking about your best friend really looks good. (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, no, that's that's dumb. But I think there's a way to to bring in the energy, like you said, from the Mm -hmm. things we think about and the things that turn us on, and and some things that turn us on might be able to be shared, and we just don't. Mm -hmm. We don't share them. Hey, listen, if you want to
0: share a fantasy about.
1: King Arthur and
0: whatever his queen's name, Guinevere, Guinevere. and you want to be them. I mean, that's not really going to be too threatening, right, to to anyone on the other side. And how do we bring more of that energy? I love it. Question three. Okay. Before I lose these questions, I'm writing them down.
1: Okay. What things can I do or say to encourage you to have your fullest experience? Uh, I mean, so first, one of my commitments in life has been, as a sex therapist, to listen to my patients and think about how does that challenge me? I mean, within my own moral frame, which is monogamy, how do I learn from them in a way that stretches me, right? Right. So first, it's for myself, that question. And second of all, how do I get my partner to you know, have a better experience? Is it, should we say more? Should we vocalize our responsiveness? Is it compliments do i give permission to them to just to let go Mm -hmm. or do they need certain touches at certain times when they're having trouble like i want to know all that awesome
0: just that awareness of your partner right that's what love does it's just trying to grow and and recognizing too many of us are lonely because we're just in ourselves in the act right that's that awareness of your partner and becoming part of something bigger than yourself really cool all right, what well, you got on the last one?
1: Okay, our last question is, tell me a couple of things about our sexual experience that you don't think I know.
0: Ah. Ooh. <laughs> right, you can feel the energy in there, a little riskiness. You can see how that's going to turn up those levels of engagement. <laughs> that question alone, I could feel myself perking up.
1: <laughs> okay. So, So, I mean, it could be good and bad could be um, things that are exciting and and things that maybe your partner doesn't know i've had a lot of women who have sexual pain and their partner doesn't know that all their partner sees is that they're turning off Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but good exciting things (laughs) i appreciate your response
0: (laughs) okay i'm looking for the opportunity here and if it's not That's one of our huge messages. If you're in pain, if you're trying to protect your partner, whatever the good reasons why you're keeping yourself hidden, the cost of keeping yourself hidden is going to be further distance and lower levels of engagement, right? Which is going to head us towards poorer sex. Great lovers are fully engaged, that's our target we keep aiming for. So, those four questions are such a good way of really getting people to be much more intentional about noticing what's working, what's not working, and communicating with their partner. Awesome, Laurie. I love them.
1: Okay. Thanks. You guys remember to check out our sponsor, uberloop.com with the coupon Foreplay. And thanks for listening to Foreplay Radio. Yeah. And P.S. Please tune in to our Patreon page so that you can catch the next exclusive episode and our next Facebook Live.
0: We appreciate you joining us to spread this really important message. Call in your questions to the Foreplay question voicemail. Dial 833-MY4PLAY. That's 833, the number four, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.